You're listening to Success Stalkers Radio, episode 44, with writer and award-winning actor and director, Eli Harris. Hey, everybody. This is Ian Floyd with the Love and Sensibility Podcast. You know, when I want to get inspired to take action, this is exactly where I come, to my girl, Iona Garrett, on the Success Stalkers Radio Show. Welcome to Success Stalkers Radio. I am your host, Iona Garrett. People all over the globe are rewriting the rules to success. They're making money and changing the world. Join me Monday through Friday as I interview today's top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and entertainers that will leave you inspired to take action and achieve success on purpose. Are you ready? Let's dive right in. Okay, success stalkers, let's get started. I am your host, Iona Garrett, and this is another episode of Success Stalkers Radio. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Mr. Eli Harris. So Eli, are you ready to stalk success today? Let's do it. All right. Let's get it in. Well, Eli Harris is an award-winning actor in the film industry. Originally from Lynchburg, Virginia, he started his career at age six doing theater for the Cherry Tree Players. He did theater throughout his school years, and he later joined the military to serve his country. He got out in 1998 after the loss of his mother, then moved to Detroit where he started doing theater again, getting his first break in a music video with Willie Max and singer Raphael Sadiq. He took a brief hiatus after that to start his family. Picking up where he left off in 2003, he became SAG after getting a brief part on ABC's short-lived Line of Fire, then went on to get a feature role as the police negotiator on CBS's Hack. He was also mentored by the late actor Carl Anderson. So Eli, I've given our listeners just a little overview about you, but I want you to take a minute now and just tell us about you personally because we want to get to know you. And then give us an overview of your business. Okay. Where would you like for me to start? Like, <laughs> wherever you, wanna, wherever you, you want to start. <laughs> I mean, you, you kind of go you gonna kind of have to prompt me. Well, what about family? Let's start with family. Okay. Um, I mean, I majority of my family, because you know, I was adopted. Uh, they're no longer around. Um, I was I was adopted by an older couple. Uh, they were in their fifties when they got me. Actually, I was about a, a year old. And, um, so I'm raised with a lot of old school values. Um, a lot of my thoughts, you know, are, are really old school. Um, I was always told I have an old soul because I'm well beyond my years as far as wisdom and understanding and knowledge of things. And um, so there's a lot of things that, that they raised me in regards to uh, which which makes me a, a, a strong black man today. Um, so, I, I you know, I do have biological family and, you know, some I talk to, some I don't, you know, and that's just how it is with, with most families. There are some people you talk to and some you don't. But um, first and foremost, you know, my immediate family is my wife and my children. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that that's my family. You know, uh, they're the one that gives me the drive. They're the ones that believe in what I do. They're the ones that, they're, that supports me. You know, my wife was actually there for me with some of the losses in my uh, adopted family. When I lost my aunt, I lost my uncle. And, you know, so when, when you ask me about family, that's my family. That's your family. Um, yeah, I love that. And, love it. you know, the reason why, you know, 
the biggest reason why I'm even involved in the arts today is because, you know, my parents uh, saw it in me at an early age, you know, because I was a bit of a hyperactive kid, you know, getting into stuff and, you know, just full of energy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so my parents got me involved with uh, with acting. They got me involved with martial arts and um, acting is something that is just really a big part of my life. You know, it, it's a really, really great outlet. And, and, you know, I don't think it's something that people that everybody can do, regardless, you know, of what uh, schools you may go to. You know, there are just some things you can't teach. You know, you can't teach right. charisma. You know, there, there are just some things you, that cannot be taught. So from my view, you either have it or you don't. True, true. And I'm so happy that you said, you know, your parents, they, you know, they really encouraged you, you know, to get involved into things when you were young, because a lot of times parents don't really recognize, you know, those those things in their kids, you know, and, and help kind of fan the flame, you know, of that, that that's that whether it's entrepreneur spirit, uh, you know, or whatever it is inside of them, mm -hmm. you know, to, to push them and encourage them. So that's good that they did that with you. Well, you know, and I think particularly in today's generation, uh, it's definitely a lost, quote unquote, art uh, within the home. Um, most of the time, TVs are raising people. Um, yes. Video games are raising children. You know, um, my best friend and I, we was joking about this a couple of weeks ago. Like, man, for us to stay inside was punishment. <laughs> you know, I remember that. It was, I know it, it was punishment. We we it's, it's like if mom was like, you can't go outside. It's like, oh. You know, the, the, the only time we couldn't go outside is if the weather was bad or if you were sick or on punishment, you know, right. and, and don't get it twisted because I had my Nintendo. I had my Atari, you know, I had my video game systems, but it was absolutely nothing like going outside and using that imagination. Right. I remember that. I'm telling you, you're taking me back. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember that. And, and that's one of those things that I with my kids, you know, we go out every day. I take my kids to the park. You know, we go out and we throw football. You know, my daughter, she wants to go hiking through the woods with me, do camping and stuff, you know, and I, I don't I don't want, you know, TV to raise my kids. That's right. I'm so happy to hear that. That's you awesome. And, and, and particularly, you know, for, for our people, you know, that's something that we really need to be involved in with with our kids is because, you know, with us, the, the road is hard as it is. Yeah, you know, you're so, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and especially sure. and especially with the way things today are, to, uh, the way things are in today, it's OK to raise your kids as a single parent and, you know, and not knocking single parents at all, because I think it takes a lot of strength for one person mm -hmm. to raise their kids. But, you know, I think Chris Rock said it best. There is nothing like saying I'm going to tell your daddy, <laughs> That's you know, true. that. That line, that shook fear in me. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't get away with anything. <laughs> and all all they took was, I'm going to call your parents. I'm going to tell your dad. He's like, oh, okay. Yep. What, what do I need to do? <laughs> Just you know. stopping your tracks, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Eli, we're going to dive way into your journey a little later in this interview. But before we do, we always like to start off here at Success Talkers Radio with a success quote to really get that motivational ball rolling. So if you have a success quote, take it away. Ah, you know what? I, I think I have several quotes. Okay. Um, hmm. You know what? I have to think on that one. You, we got that one. We have to come back on that one because uh, there, there are different quotes for different situations. I don't think there's one quote that applies across the board. Okay, that's cool. We'll come back to that. Well, what we'll do, because, you know, we're, we're all about our guests, their stories and their journeys, because our listeners, you know, they really resonate with the journey of our guests, you know, because so many people are on, of course, different paths, but you can always find something that you can resonate and relate to on somebody's journey. So 
What I want to do is first to focus on, say, a possible failure or a time in your life where you use a challenge, whether it's in your career or your personal life, you know, that that really just brought you to a place that was just very challenging. And then we want to we want to feel like we're right there with you. So tell us a story about a specific time in your life and then share a lesson with us that you learned from that failure. You know what? To being in this industry in itself can be a failure story because you'll get 99 no's. Out of 100, you're going to get 99 no's and maybe one yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say for me, in career-wise, that would probably be sometimes my greatest failures because we take that stuff, especially when you have a passion for this business, when you when you breathe this stuff, when you wake up in the morning and all you think about is, okay, you know, um, what's where's my next gig at? Or, you know, when we get the funding for this project. When, when you live and breathe this, it can't feel as if you failed when things do not come through for you to get the project done. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of dark times. There are a lot of times where, you know, I come into my office, I shut the door and I don't want nobody to talk to me. You know, I don't have the phone in here. I don't want to see no emails. I don't want to do anything yeah. because, you know, this business can be a struggle. You get tearing the nose or you get tired of getting passed over by somebody who might not be as talented as you are, not producing as quality projects as you do, you know, and those things really take a toll on you. I'm sure. And so for me, my spiritual upbringing, my, my belief in the Lord is what brings me out of that darkness at times. And that's not to say that I don't struggle in and out of that darkness because it's a constant battle. You know, um, probably my biggest inspiration at the moment would be my wife, um, just because of what she goes through health wise with her vision. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctors declared her as being blind and never being able to see again. And regardless of the diagnosis that they gave her with her eye disorder, her vision came back. She went yes. back to college, got her wow. degree, you know, um, got her uh, got the government job that she wanted. So she's federal now, you know, for most people that I know and me included, I don't know if I could have came back from that. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I got diagnosis going blind and not being able to see again, if I could pick myself up like that. Right. What a fighter. She's a fighter. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, these doctors say she would never see again. You know, they they told us she would never see again. I guess they forgot to ask God, huh? They, you know, they absolutely forgot. And you know what the doctor told the doctor told my wife two weeks ago when they went to look into her eyes before her surgery because she had surgery today. The doctor said it is a miracle that you're even able to see because her optic nerves are so damaged. Mm. So uh, medically speaking, she should not be able to see. Wow. From a medical standpoint. From a medical standpoint, of course. From a medical standpoint, but from a divine standpoint, there's nothing wrong. That's right. I love you know, it. So when I when I look at her and say, man, for a, a woman who, you know, and my, and my wife is so independent. Mm-hmm. So I know if she lost her vision. It would absolutely because that means she would have to be dependent on everybody else. And she's just not that kind of woman. So I feel that if she can get up, shake that off, make herself better by going to school and getting her degree so she can get her money, you know, going and mm-hmm. get fe- getting a federal job, which she says she always wanted to do. You know, to me, that's an inspiration to say, hey, Absolutely. you know, I took a lot of no's. I get passed over, you know, this that, and the third. But you know what? That's OK, because I know that there's something coming down the pipe. 
Absolutely. What a great story. She is a fighter. Like, I love her already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she is. And like I said, that doesn't mean that, you know, I go through my dark periods because you, you, you do. You know, Jesus went through dark periods. There were periods where, you know, even when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wanted to give up. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew what was about to come to him. He wanted to give right. up. But he said, nevertheless, right. thine will be done. And so even if the son of God goes through those moments where he wanted to give up, I'm no better than he. Absolutely. We're no better. And we're talk- absolutely right. And we're talking about, you know, the, the, the king of kings. We're talking about the creator of mankind who all things were created through. You know, the, right. we're talking about the, the living word. You know, and if he was at a point where, you know, he wanted to give up, I'm definitely no better. Right. What a lesson, huh? To learn. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Your wife, she's she's really special. She is. She is. She's a good woman. And, you know, and, and being a spouse dealing with a husband who's in this business is very difficult because mm-hmm. of the, you know, there are a lot of women who can be insecure at times. And I know plenty of people who are married in this business whose mm-hmm. wives just trip a whole lot because yeah. of traveling or because of actresses or whatever that they deal with. My right. wife has never given me a hard time. The only time, and I think she was kind of clowning me because she kind of <laughs> knew that I had a thing for Alicia Keys. You know, <laughs> I mean, most, most men, you know, had a thing for Alicia yeah. Keys. And when I got that call, when I got that call that I was going to play as her boyfriend in the Nanny Diaries, she's like, oh, I bet you're going to love that, aren't you? You know, and I had to play it down a little bit. Right, she, right. She knew that I was feeling it. You know, she knew I was feeling it. So I guess. Um, she, so, again, let's talk about that for a minute. So how, how was that? <laughs> The, the Alicia Keys movie? Yes. So, oh, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. All right. So I get a call from my agent. It was, and this was weird because they usually don't call you on the weekends, but I got a call from my agent on a Friday. And no, it was on a Saturday. Excuse me. It was mm-hmm. on a Saturday. And she was like, I need you to be in New York by Monday. And I'm like, what's going on? And she was like, well, I got you an audition for this movie called The Nanny Diaries. She says it's starring Scarlett Johansson and uh, Lee Keys. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, so what role am I going for? She said, you're auditioning for the boyfriend of Alicia Keys. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. She said that they saw your picture and they picked you and wanted you to come up and audition. So I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'll be there. You know? <laughs> so, you know, of course, New York is no thing for me to get there. Mm-hmm. And I got there and, um, you know, I went and they had us meet in Manhattan. It was about six of us. And I ain't going to front. You know, I seen some of the dudes that were there and they were, you know, some nice looking dudes, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, both of them, you know, six, three, whatever, you know, model type dudes. Yeah. And myself, which, you know, well, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm all right. But uh, so, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I, I might not have a chance with this because, you know, some of these dudes are, you know, really, you know, the type of dudes you see on magazine covers. Right. So I'm like, you know what? They saw something that they liked, so I'm here. So I went in there with that mindset. So they, yeah. they drove us up to the set, and I think Alicia Keys was finishing up a scene with Scarlett, and here comes Alicia coming out, radiant, man. Like, you know you know how, I don't know if you saw the Chappelle show, how Dave Chappelle was saying, or how Charlie Murphy was saying that Prince had this glow around him. This, I mean, James had this. <laughs> yes, this I remember aura. that. Yeah, Alicia Key had this this glow, man. So she had yeah, this glow, like, huh? like this heavenly glow. Like, wow, like she's even better looking in person, you know. And so <laughs> it was me and like I think four or five other dudes. Director comes up to us and she said that what she's going to do when she comes out here, she's just going to introduce her, introduce herself to you, so introduce yourself, 
and that's it. So, you know, a couple of guys are really trying to lay it on thick with her, you know, complimenting her, this, that, and the third. Um, one dude, and I thought it was funny, he was so caught up talking to the assistant, because, I mean, I guess she was a cute chick, but he was so caught up talking to her that he forgot the real reason why he was there. Like, dude, you, you ain't here to flirt with the assistant. You, you know what I'm saying? And, um, Get the yeah, <laughs> and so that she came up to me, you know, I'm like, I'm gonna play it cool because all these other dudes trying to lay it on heavy. I'm just gonna be me. So she was like, you know, hello, I'm yeah. Alicia. I'm like, how you doing, Alicia? My name is Eli. It's an honor to meet you. And that was it. I just kept it real simple. And um, so they, yeah. you know, after everything was done, we went. They all put us in the van, took us back. So I go back to the crib because um, I got a little spot in, well, I had a little spot in Brooklyn at the time, and um. My man's called me. I mean, my wife, excuse me. My wife called me up. And she was like, you got the part. And I'm thinking to myself, why did they call you? They got my cell number, you know. But she was like, yeah. she's like, you need to be at wardrobe tomorrow about such and such a time. And she gave me the phone number um, for the people I need to get in wow. touch with. So I was like, wow. And um, I love it. And so uh, oh, I'm going to tell you what, this is a huge story, right? Because, all right, so we go. I go to wardrobe, get fitted, blah, blah, blah. They give me my, my call time, which was like two days after that. So we get on set. And I got to tell you this, because this is all this is how God brings things around in full fold. All right. So mm-hmm. I get on set and I'm basically I go over to holding where I needed to be. Thought I had to be over there, you know, because all the extras and stuff were over there. And I ran to this one cat mm-hmm. who I did extra work with back in back when I first started doing this. And I remember he had stolen something from me. And I confronted him on it, but he denied it, so I let it be. All right, yeah. so I was like, I bumped into him again. You know, and I'm, you know, I don't hold anything against people. I'm like, if you need the Ross reports that bad, so be it. You can keep it. You know, so mm-hmm. um, he was like, yo, what are you doing here, man? I ain't seen you in a minute, kid. You know, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, well, I'm here for the movie. I got cast as, as Lewis, the boyfriend to Alicia Keys. And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, that's what he said to me, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that word, but that's what he said to me. But um, so after that, I come outside and I'm standing out there and there was paparazzi out there not paying any attention to me. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to get shots of Alicia coming in and out doing her little scene. I say, like, yo, I was like, y'all should probably go ahead and get some pictures of me now while you can. You know, just be a funny one. Like, you right. know, it's like, oh, funny. it's like, oh, yeah, like. What are you doing in the movie? I'm like, oh, I just got a little part over here. And they're like, oh, okay. It kind of blew me off. <laughs> Next thing I know, dude comes up. The dude I was telling you about, I'm not going to mention his name at all, but the dude comes up. He was like, well, they're getting, we get right. We got to go back to holding, blah, blah, blah. As soon as I turn around, the assistant director comes running over to me. He's like, Eli, we need to get you over here in your trailer, blah, blah, blah. And I looked at the dude, and the dude's face just dropped. Like, he had this look like, what? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, and I looked at him. I said, got to go. You know, went across the street with them. And look, there's even a pic- success is the best revenge. There's even a picture on my Facebook, and the dude he has dreads, and you can see him just staring at me while they're taking pictures with Alicia Keys and I. I got that picture up there specifically for that reason. You know, I'm gonna have to go look at it. And, and so then when um, when as soon as I went over there, as soon as they got me over there and got me in front of the director, oh yeah, paparazzi started taking all kinds of pictures. So the interesting part of this was. When I was setting up for my scene, Alicia's bodyguard was there. And my agent, of course, she was there because she was trying to make sure everything went smooth. And so the assistant to Alicia Keys had walked up because she was beside the bodyguard and was talking to my agent. She was like, you know how Eli got the part? 
And she was like, you know, how? Because I was kind of curious. I went like, yeah, yeah, how how did I get the part? She was like, well, what the produ- what the director did, she laid out the six different headshots and had Alicia go by each one and say what she liked about each one and didn't like about each one. And so she told me what she said about each one, and I'm not going to sit here and say exactly what she said. But when she got to mine, she said, that's the one, because he looks the most real. And the bodyguard had told my agent that she had picked me because I am most like the type that she would want to deal with in real life. And let me tell you, man, (laughs) Alicia made me feel so comfortable because I ain't going to lie. There's only a couple couple of people that I've worked with where, you know, I'm such huge fans of. And I don't really get starstruck like that, but it's not like surreal to me. That was when I worked with Matt Damon. I absolutely loved that dude. I worked with Matt Damon, most deaf, Alicia. I like him too. I like both of them. Love all of them. Yeah. And Alicia just made she just made you know, she made it real comfortable and easy to work with her. She has such a great spirit, man. She really did real, real good spirit. Yeah, so it really comes through through her music too. So it's, it's she's really that mm-hmm. way. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Wow, what a story! Yeah, yeah, I got I got plenty of them, but you know, I know we're on a time limit and everything. <laughs> I know we're on a time limit, but that's a, that's an amazing story. I love that. Well, let's shift the focus for just a minute, okay? Because I want to transition to say the the other end of the spectrum, which is what we call that aha moment or that say that light bulb moment. Because just like you've had lessons that you've learned from failures, or you know, I know you've had some amazing ideas that have helped you become successful today. So if you can, Eli, just share one with us. Share a story with us. Uh, a time in your life where you had just a, an aha moment that propelled you, you know, into that success, into the successful, you know, career that you have today. Well, you know what? It would actually be based around a project that I did, um, the, the one I actually won the awards for. Um, okay. So we all know that a lot of times in this business, there are times where you just have downtime. And that's why you really have to be smart with your money in this business. And this is something I really tell people when they come to me for advice in regards to get started. Because I'm like, look, you know, if you think you're going to get in this and make money, you might as well go ahead and get out of it because you're going to have to put out some money to promote yourself, put out money, you know, to do stuff. And uh, so it really pays you. It really pays to be smart with your money. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we all have down periods at times. Sometimes we take on other gigs, you know, to some it may be beneath them and to others are like, you know, I got a family I got to take care of. So I do whatever I got to do to make ends meet. So during my downtime, um, this was quite a few years back, I I was doing some work for DirecTV. I was doing installation for DirecTV. Okay. And um, the guy that we was working for basically, to make a long story short, screwed all of us out of our money for about three months and then skipped town. Oh. And it really sent me into this, this I'm not going to say depression, but it sent me to this level where I'm like, if I find this dude, I'm going to smash him up, you know? And I try to see the lesson and everything. I try to see life lessons and say, okay, these things happen for this reason, or maybe I learned this. But for the life of me, I couldn't figure out, okay, I'm not a person who do things to people. I go out of my way to try to help and be a blessing to others. And for things like this to happen, it, it just really confounds me. And so it hit me one day. Why don't I make a movie out of this? Why don't I do a script out of this? Because I know I'm not the only person who's had this happen to and I think what really pushed me to do this story was one of the guys that got shafted out of his money. Um, he was on the verge of having his house foreclosed. 
his wife was going to leave him. They were had to go on like food stamps and all kinds of stuff because dude was without pay for like three months from this cat. And um, and I remember hearing about a story out in California where there was someone who went through this and he ended up killing his wife, kids and then himself. Mm. And I said, OK, this is a real subject. So why don't I take what happened to me, what happened to Greg and the other 12 guys who got shafted out of that money? And the story that I heard about out in California and making it to something that opens up people's eyes to what's going on in our economy right now. What's what's going on with our families? What's going on? Because these are things that people, you know, people think about this stuff, but they don't talk about it. Right. It's true. You know, people really do contemplate suicide. Some people really do Mm -hmm. contemplate. Maybe it's better that I take my family out so they don't have to struggle. You know, there are there are people who go there and it's not that they're going to act on it. But, you know, those things tend to creep in because when you're in a struggle like that, it's like, man, you know, and Biggie even talked about it. You know, whenever you listen to Biggie's album, you know, when he had the suicidal thoughts, it's not that you're going to go out and do it. It's just that sometimes it feels like it would be better. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's not something that people really feel comfortable to talk about or openly to talk because they may look be looked at funny or looked at as a person who is lacking in faith or you know a person who uh, you know uh, have lost their way. Even Jesus was tempted to commit suicide. If you read, you know, where uh, he was taken up to the temple and was tempted to throw himself off. You know, for the word said, lest that foot dash a stone, the angels should take charge you, mm-hmm. lest your foot dash against a stone. You know, and Jesus came back, right. thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He was tempted mm-hmm. to commit suicide at that moment. Yeah. You know, just right. just true. to test where his relationship is with his father. So we all, you know, a lot of people go through that, whether they admit it or not. Yep. And so I just. Yeah, most people, most people have had. They have. Thoughts. They have. You know, um, and I decided to take that and make it into a story, you know, and. uh I didn't have the best equipment to shoot it on. You know, when it got accepted to, I, actually, I was kind of surprised it got accepted because a lot of the films that was in that festival had heavy hitters in them. You know, it had people mm-hmm. who had money. And, you know, here's little old me with my little budget, you know, shooting this, this film, you know, with no names in it other than myself, which, you know, I'm not the grandest of names, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, and for whatever reason, it, it got picked. Um, yeah, but the con- the content, the story people, line is amazing. And that was the thing is even when I got there to the festival, they were calling me Henry. They didn't even call me huh. by my real name. They was, wow. you know, and I'm like, yo, that speaks volumes. So, yes, I mean, when does. you speak of an aha moment, that that was an aha moment for me in regards to, because to me, me winning those awards was my greatest success. It might not have brought me an Oscar or a Golden Globe or, you know, anything like that. But I know that that yes. it the celebrities, the celebrity panel that was there and there were a lot of people there. They absolutely loved the film and they loved it because of the content and the acting in it, I you know, it. And, and they told me that this was a bold story to tell. And they will still they still ask me, OK, what happens at the end of the movie? Because <laughs> I leave it so open ended, and I'm like. I want the viewers to decide what they would do in that situation. Mm-hmm. That's good because you know what? It opens up for conversation. It gets people Absolutely. to start talking about it. Mm-hmm. That's great. And, that, and that's why I did it that way. You know, so when, when um, Henry catches up with uh, Linus towards the end, you don't see him kill him, but it leads it to question. Mm-hmm. 
when he comes into the house with his gun and his wife and kids are in there and his wife walks up to him and the scene ends, you don't know what he did. Right, right, right. Wow. That's fascinating. I love it. I have to see that. Yeah, I, I try to do things that are thought provoking. I want to do things that help shed uh, a better light on our people and the pro- and the things that we are capable of doing. Because we're so stigmatized with barbecue movies and you know, <laughs> right. hoes know and all this other stuff. And it's like you know, we as as, as African Americans, we we are are very intelligent people, and we are more than capable of making films Absolutely. that are thought provoking right. and that helps shows, you know, the, the level of intelligence that our people have and, and the creativity that we have as a people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I thank you for sharing that story with us. Oh, that's no problem. Well, Eli, let's shift the focus for, for just a minute because I want to shine a spotlight on you. What would you say? And you may have already told us, but what would you say has been your most proudest entrepreneurial moment? Doing my, my film company. Um, doing my film company, I think I got um, I got to the point where I just got tired of going on auditions all the time, doing callbacks and waiting for someone else to make a call on my destiny and what my worth is. And I remember talking it over with my wife and of course, I still audition. In fact, I got cast for a new TV series called Precinct 757. Uh, It's a a web series, excuse me, um, which I start filming next month. But um, I congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, but I said to myself, I'm capable of making projects too. You know, I've seen some people that I know in the business make some films that weren't absolutely all that great, you know, or whatever, and still, you know, being able to get distribution bills to set in the third. And I'm like, okay, if they could do it, why can't I? I know I got stories to tell. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's where. And my company's been through so many names. The first was Midnight Oil Productions. Then it was H3 Pictures because that was to signify, you know, the three Harrises, you know, uh, myself, my wife, and my daughter. But then we had a son. So then we became H4 Pictures. H4. And so then we had another son. And and we was going to call it H5. But my wife came up with a new name and called it Scene 5. And each letter. Nice. Yeah, each letter word scene is a letter in our name. So my daughter's okay. name is Samara. My wife's name is Christina. I'm Eli. My <laughs> son is Noah. And then my other son is Elijah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So <laughs> scene five. I love so it. I, I, you know, to answer your question, the, the company doing, doing, doing my own films, producing my own films. That's great. That's great. That's no one great. could tell your story well, Eli, better than you. And you're right about that. You are right about that. Well, Eli, we both know that, you know, being an entrepreneur, it can be a roller coaster of emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be up today and within the next 24 hours, you're just down, you're frustrated, ready to quit sometimes. Or, you know, can you tell us or tell our listeners, what do you do to keep your focus and, and to keep that end result in mind? You know what is different for different people? Um, what works for me is. I look at what I have around me. I look at the fact that I have a wife, you know, been married for 15 years. I look at my kids, you know, and there's no way I want them to struggle or, you know, have them go through things unnecessarily because of my lack of motivation or my lack of determination. And then I also look at the fact that, you know, God blesses each individual with a talent or with talents. 
you know, and mm-hmm. for me not to capitalize on my talent or not to to spread out my talent is selfishness. That's you know, true. That's God true. doesn't give us anything for ourselves. He gives it to us to be a blessing to others. Oh, that's so true. I love that. Yeah. So glad you said that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's actually one of my mantras. That's that's one of my quotes. Is, <laughs> OK, so we're back. Yeah, to the quote. That's I just good. thought I'd sneak that one in there. <laughs> but yeah, we you know, so even when I go through my darkest of periods, it's like, you know, there are times I'll sit here and look at a TV show. In fact, there's a good show on now called Power that stars Amari Hardwick. And I absolutely love that show. It's on Stars, produced by 50 Cent. Okay. And each time that I watch this show, it helps fuel my fire for the TV series that I'm working on because I'm producing this series titled The Berg. And, um, you know, sometimes I draw inspiration from watching other people's stuff. And that helps, you know, fuel my fire and say, man, I need to go ahead and, and get on my grind and get this series out here. You know, so sometimes it's 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 motivation to see other people's work help push you, you know, you know, so rather than hate. So rather than hating and say, oh, man, that dude got that show, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yo, that dude got a nice show. Let me see what I can do to help push me in that direction. Right. And it's just a matter of perspective. I'm glad you said that because I, I think that way. You know, I've never really been one to be a so-called a hater. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, if I if I see something that's good, I'm going to genuinely compliment it, you know, and, and say, well, what can, OK, if they can do it, then, you know, maybe I can do it, too. Yeah. You know, and maybe take something from it. It doesn't have to be exact, but just draw from draw inspiration from it, like you said, and, and create your own. Just get creative. And that's that's what I did with this this show. You know, when I created this radio show, you know what I think hating comes from, I think hating comes from a person who has a self-hate within themselves. I think when they see, you know, somebody doing something that they feel they either didn't deserve or it should mm-hmm. be filmed uh, instead of the person who has it, it becomes this this hate thing. Like you're almost on a mission to tear somebody down and make them feel like crap about their project. I had people do that with my first couple of projects. Like there was just a copious amount of garbage about, you know, the first project I did. And I'm like, why invest so much energy and trying to tear down what I did. Why not go out there and do something yourself? Absolutely. You know, if you think you can make a better project, go do it. You know, that, that's why I did it. Right. I, you know, I didn't sit there and, and hate on somebody because, man, that dude's project ain't all that great or blah, blah. I'm like, I know I can make a better project, you know, so let me go and do this. You know, let me see what I could do to make it happen. And, you know, it, it's, I don't, hate is such a disease. It and really it's is. Such it's such a time waster. It's such a it, time, it's a time waster. waster. It is. It is such a disease. It's, you know what I found out about hate? Hate is one of those things where it gets so deeply ingrained in you that you forget why you hate something. Mm, true. You, you know, true. like, you know, when I, when I look at the whole racism issue sometimes, because I, I find racism funny to me. Like, I'll hear some, some racist jokes and the stuff is just funny to me. Like, y'all <laughs> really get pissed off about that? Like, there's some things I've heard right. white people say that are just hilarious to me. And, mm-hmm. and you know, vice versa. But, you know, I look at that, you know, there are some people who really, really hate other ethnicities and they don't have a legitimate reason. No valid uh, reason. <laughs> I don't like black people because uh, uh, their lips are big or uh, I don't like black people because they shoot each other over shoes. I'm like, well, you know, every race has a bunch of ignorance to it. Yes, you know, that's true. With, you know, when you look at, you know, you want to sit here and say, OK. Black people do do ignorant things sometimes. We'll sit here and shoot somebody or knock somebody out because they stepped on our shoes. But with black people, we tend to keep it in house. You know, <laughs> that's when, true. When white people get mad, federal <laughs> buildings get blown up. 
innocent school kids get shot up, you know? Um, so it, you know, there's ignorance in each race. So I'm like, yeah, we shoot. There's this ignorance things. in every race. Every it's, race has it. We shoot and do, we shoot and we do stupid things for stupid reasons, but we tend to keep it within a contained environment within our own people. Right. So, I mean, you can sit here and say different things for different races, but at the end of the day, what does that got to do with it you? It has nothing. You know, I got big lips. Okay. What does that have to do with your life? Nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, it's just I, a I time know. waster. I just see it as a time waster. Just, it's this it energy is. that it, you could be di- redirecting in, in a more constructive and positive, you know, arena. It's just, it's just time wasted. And it's not, and to me, it's nonsensical. <laughs> nonsensical. I like that. It's it's nonsensical. And, and to me, the whole racist divide is just part of the bigger machine to divide and conquer. Because in, in all honesty, if people stood together, the things that's going on in this country would not be going oh, on. No, absolutely not. If we all the government would not be getting away with the stuff they get away with right now. If we if people black, white, all of us stood together in unity and went against the machine. See, people forget the whole reason why America was established. The the founding fathers found this country to escape the tyranny of government. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be in control of the government. Right. But somehow... It got flipped. It it got flipped. The powers that be sold themselves out for the agendas. And so now, once again, we are slaves to a government. Mm -hmm. You know, That's so true. what do you right. what do you think would happen if we uh, unified, if mm-hmm. we were together? They wouldn't pull that crap off. They mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to. No way. No way. So, so how about we stop looking at the color of somebody's skin and actually judge somebody on the content of their character? And it's not about race. It's about the human race. You know, that's what we forget. And, and if yeah. you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, come on. In heaven, there ain't no black heaven. There ain't no white heaven. It we're is. all going to be in heaven. It is. It, you're right. There, there, there is it. There is no race. All of us are Gentiles. But if you can't, if you can't get, and I always say, if you can't make it together here, how can you expect to to go to heaven? And, yeah. and it's just not gonna happen. Yeah. If you can't pass the test, you know, if you can't pass the test, you know, all of us are grafted. We're grafted into that tree of gods. Mm-hmm. You know, all of us are grafted in. Those of us that are his, we're all grafted in. You're right. Well, Eli, I know that you are a success stalker, and that's why you are on this show today. So can you, we're always working on new stuff. You know, as an entrepreneur, I know we always have things we're working on. And I heard you kind of touch on a few things as we kind of talked a few minutes ago. But do you have any new projects that you're really, really excited about that you're working on right now? I do. Um, I tell you, and I'm really conflicted right now with which one I really want to put out the most because I'm, I'm working on a series called The Berg. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, man, that that's one that I really, really want to put out because it touches okay. on so much of what's going on, period, um, in, okay. in, in all states. You know, it centers – it's loosely based on where I'm originally from in Lynchburg, Virginia. It deals with politics, okay. religion, um, and, and the law. And uh, I think that's something that that's prominent everywhere. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. But then I'm at Henry because Henry was such a good story and such a good film. And it's so relevant to what people are dealing with now that I know that if, if I can, you know, get it to the big screen, that's something that would really touch a lot of people. And then 
So that's your goal. That's and then lastly, I have a, a breakdancing franchise uh, of screenplays that I wrote. It's a three three film series um, on on breakdancing. And you know, of course, I'm I'm a I was born in the '70s, but I'm an '80s child. You know, so breakdancing was me too. <laughs> breakdancing was a big thing. <laughs> So Breakdancing was a real big part uh, for me early on, you know, as a child. And, yeah. you know, I was a huge fan of Breaking. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. and I had penned the script for Breaking 3. And you can look it up online. It was called Breaking Revolution. And um, I actually had got to talk to Shabadoo. And Shabadoo is still interested in this project. Yes. Um, and he's real, real good people. Um, I'm not going to speak on Michael Chambers at all um, because that's a story for another day. Um, but yeah. And so, you know, to make a long story short, MGM had an issue. They didn't want to revitalize the the franchise and uh, basically sent me a cease and desist letter to say, Hey, you know, we're not going to revitalize breaking, stop it. So I'm like, okay. So Mm -hmm. I took what I was going to do for breaking three, restructured everything and came up with my own franchise called B style. And it's it's got the dancing nice. and everything in it, but it is really really story driven. It's very character driven, um, and I think it's mm. something that would be really positive uh, for the youth because it really touches on uh, today's generation, um, and it has a lot of old school values in it, which I think that this generation mm-hmm. needs to get back to. Yeah, yeah, lacking. And yeah, I think the biggest lacking. part of that is that you know parents are too busy trying to be friends instead of parents. You know, you could be your child's best mm-hmm. friend, but there's a line that's drawn there. Absolutely. You know, my mama, she, my mama didn't believe in that. Yeah. My, I mean, my <laughs> daughter knows, hey, my daughter knows I got your back. I'm your best friend. Right. But there's a line you right. don't cross. There's a line oh, you don't yeah. cross with me. You know, yep. I'm not your buddy. I'm not your homie. You know, so when you come to me, you come to me with respect, you know. So, but that's some of the values that's in this. Stuff. That's the lost art, though. That's the it, lost oh, art, unfortunately. Man, respect. Today. You know, respect is almost an ancient language. It's 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 yeah, almost like sad but true. Yeah, it's almost like the language that's never that's not spoken in just Aramaic. It, it's almost like an Aramaic language. It's not spoken anymore. So, but um, but yeah, this I think you know this film is not it, it's great with the values, but it has the entertainment. You know, with with the dancing mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. You know, dance movies are just real fun. So I, you know, I think those three projects are the ones I'm really, you know, ready to get going and amped up for. Well, those are exciting projects. Those are all, all three of them. But I'm also, you know, right now I'm focused on Precinct 757 because that's what I've recently got cast for and I'm loving the role I got cast for. Um, And what does it start? I start filming next month. They already did. They wrapped up season one and I think they had the rap party. They're having a rap party in two weeks. Okay. But um, I get to I'm playing as the head of the domestic terrorism unit for the FBI in this series. Come on. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. And um, my ex-wife, who uh, is part of the undercover detective unit in the precinct, we actually mm-hmm. end up crossing paths. So she doesn't <laughs> even know that I'm back in town because I'm <laughs> undercover on an assignment. And um, we just happened to end up running across each other because of my assignment. This is gonna be good. Yeah. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to to watch. You got to keep me updated on that. Absolutely. All right. Well, well, Eli, we have reached my favorite part of this interview, and that's what we call the success round. And what I want to do is throw some questions at you, and I want you to come back at me with some knockout answers. So get you, so get your gloves on. Let's All right, Let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. All right. So what was it that held back from becoming an entrepreneur before you started? Um, 
I think intimidation. Um, success sometimes can be fearful because uh, <sighs> success can be fearful sometimes because you're kind of afraid of, you know, what if I actually do make it? Then what? You know, um, so I think I think success can be a fear for some people. And for me, I think that's what it was is, you know, what if I'm not able to live up to that success? What if I'm not able to live up to that bar that I have out there for myself? So you kind of procrastinate and you stall out um, just out of fear. What well, what was the best business advice you've ever received? Hmm. I would say from Carl Anderson. Um, uh, in, in fact, some of my philosophy came straight from okay. Carl Anderson. When I first talked to him, because um, he's originally from Lynchburg, too. And um, he was one of those people that was just gut punching honest, <laughs> you know. And the first thing he asked me was, why do you want to get into business? I said, because, you know, acting is a part of who I am. I like being different characters, blah, blah, blah. And he said, do you want to get rich? I'm like, yeah, that's part of it, too. Like, you know, I wouldn't mind getting rich. He said, OK, then get out of it. Mm. He said, if you're looking to get in this for money, get out. You know, yeah, he was upfront yeah. about it. And it was just like, you know, kind of like, whoa. And he was like, you know, the first part of what you said, I can understand that and I can get with that. He said, but if you go on, if you come to this for money, you know, get out of it. And, you know, I've never been a person where it's like I need millions <laughs> right. of dollars, but, you know, I want to be able to take <laughs> right, care of my family of and eat, yeah. you know, while doing something that I enjoy doing. And I mean, Carl was just really upfront with me was like, look, you're going to get in this. You need to be 100 percent in this. He said, and I'm going to tell you something else. You're going to get rejected. You will. Good he told you he that. said, you're going to get told so many. Huh? No, so that's good. He told you up front. Yeah. He said, you're going to hear so many no's that you're going to want to quit. He said, so if you're going to quit because of some no's, get out of it. Ooh, that's good advice. His entire speech to me was get out of it. <laughs> you know, if 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 this is your perception of what this business is about, mm-hmm. get out. That's good. That's great. Great. Great advice. So so he. Yeah. So he he challenged me and, you know, he challenged my character, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the type of individual, you know, uh, don't sell out for this. You know, maintain who you are as a person while doing this, because it is easy to get lost. Mm-hmm. It is easy to negotiate your morals. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. I know that our listeners are getting some incredible takeaways today from this. This is this is good stuff. Good stuff. Well, can you share, Eli, uh, one of your your personal habits, like maybe something you do each day that you believe attributes, you know, to your success? Um, and this is pretty simple. Uh, we have a beautiful view in the backyard. Um, I, I'm unlike my wife. My wife actually likes to be around people. <laughs> um, she's you know, she likes to be in the neighborhood type environment. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm fine living in the mountains. I don't want to be around anybody. <laughs> You know, so the house that we bought was really uh, a negotiable, um, a negotiable house. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the seclusion that I want, but it's also in, you know, there are people within a certain radius of us. Okay. And so every morning I draw the curtain back and I walk out on a deck and I stand out on the banister because the deck is on the second floor of the house, the mm-hmm. second story of the house. And I just look out and I sit down and I listen to the birds. Um and we have so many different kinds of birds around here. We have a family of hawks in our backyard. So I just sit out there and I just take it all in. I, I take in God's beauty. I take in his breath of life uh, every morning. I just go out. So important. So important because we don't do that, you know. So important to do that. Well, do you have like an 
resource or maybe a, a business tool of some sort that you use, maybe an app or something that you use, you know, to help you build your business? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a few things that I use. It just depends on what part of the business that we're speaking of. You know, since I actually do editing and um, production as well as, um, you know, acting, a lot of the software I use, I use Sony Vegas which I think is a really good tool. It has a real easy learning curve as opposed to using Adobe After Effects or Final Cut. Um, and you get the exact same job done, but with a, a, an easier learning curve. curve. Um, uh, I use uh, I use Cakewalk, uh, Sonar for the audio, um, when I'm doing the film scoring and stuff. I um, also use Sonic Fire, and uh, I use SoundForge. And those tools are very useful from a production standpoint. Well, I'm um, sure that's very useful for someone out there wanting to do what you're doing. So thank mm-hmm. you. Oh, and also, you know, for screenplay writing, nothing works better than Final Draft for me. Some people use Caltex, which I'm not very fond of, but uh, Final Draft is what I use to do my screenplay writing on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Eli. Well, what book are you know, do you have a book that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Maybe something that that's really, you know, important to you. Um, you know, I was thinking the Bible, first of all, is the most important book that I read. Um, and that to me, there's every life lesson in it. Um, be a professional, personal, uh, spiritual. There's every answers in the word of God for me. It's so true. That's true. Um, and one book I would like to recommend, and this is, you know, for people who, whether if they have struggles in their relationships um, or even if there is no struggle and they just want to maintain the fire or maintain uh, the passion in their relationship, there's a wonderful book called Fireproof. Um, it's based on the movie that Kirk Cameron was in. And uh, it's it's the uh, the love dare. It's a, like a 40-day love dare. And it's a very, very challenging book. But not only does it help in regards to the your relationship, but um, it also helps you on from a professional standpoint as well because it helps point out areas um, in your life. So those things can be addressed for you to be a better individual, not just for your mate, but in general. You know, so once you're, I mean, when you're able to to see you know those flaws or able to see those things you need to work on it improves every area and every aspect of your life i totally totally agree and, and i actually have seen the movie fireproof that's an amazing movie uh i actually have it and i do have the book the love there but i haven't read it yet so oh, <laughs> i need to read it all day i'm gonna tell you we my wife and i did that and you know it, it's an incredible book it can be frustrating because it really uh, causes you to take a look at yourself, you know, honestly, um, you know, pulling that veil down and really taking a look at yourself. But, you know, it, it's very rewarding by the time you get to the end of it. Okay, good, good. Well, I am definitely going to dive into it. Well, Eli, my last question of the day is, I want you to first just imagine that you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world. Let's say it's identical to Earth, but you you know anyone uh, let's say you still have all the same experience and knowledge that you currently have today. Let's say your food is taken care of, your shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500 to start rebuilding your business. What would you do in the next seven days? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? If you're saying that I don't know anybody, 
okay, now is the rule that I can't go out and cultivate new relationships? Oh, you can you can do whatever. It's just whatever you want. I would I would go out and try to cultivate new relationships, but I think the difference is is, is that I would make sure that the people that I dealt with were ahead of where I am. Because if you deal with people that are typically on your level or underneath you, there's no progression. So um, I, I think I would like to cultivate new relationships um, business-wise. And I would probably invest my money uh, a little bit wiser than I did initially. Good answer. Great answer. There's a reason why I asked this question, Eli, and I'll tell you why. And it's so it's so funny because most of my guests, probably at least, probably I would say out of all of them, nine out of ten, would I'll answer the same. And the reason why I ask this question is because when people are getting started in new projects or say a a new venture or as an entrepreneur, it's so critical that you have to start building relationships. And and that question is just like, it answers so much because it's critical when you're in business that you have to build relationship because we're in the people business, right? Right. I mean, pretty much every business is you need people. So that's, that's the reason why we ask that question. So it's funny because everybody answers that, you know, not exactly the same, but pretty much the same. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, and, and for people who actually care about business, so there's a difference between getting into this business, um, for, for the glitz and glamor of it and getting into it because it's your passion. You know, now I'm, I'm a, I wouldn't say that I'm a people person. Um, I do. People do tend to gravitate towards me, share, you know, whatever life stories with me, just random people. And I can give good insight on stuff. But, you know, a lot of times I I tend to be to myself. You know, it's, it's primarily just family for me, just, you know, the people within my four walls and the select few, you know, that I can count on one hand that I deal with. Um, but it, it, there has to be a sincerity there when you're dealing with people um, right. and particularly in our business, nobody wants to deal with a fake. So, you know, my reason for saying I wanted to cultivate new relationships is just because, you know, I'm a genuine and sincere individual. And those are the only type of people that I want in my camp and people that I associate with. Integrity is the main thing. You know, it really is. And that's what I want to deal with is people who have integrity. This business is full of people who don't have integrity. Um, and I've ran into, you know, so many, which I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of the listeners have, you know, ran into people who are not genuine or people who associate with them just for what they can get out of them. So that that's 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 how I feel about it. Well, Eli, hearing your journey has truly been inspiring. And let's end with this before you go. If you can just give our listeners one more parting piece of guidance and advice and then share the best way they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. All right. The best piece of guidance I can get, I mean, I can give, excuse me, best piece of guidance I can give is God has blessed everybody with a talent or talents and those talents are not for us to sit on. Everything that is given to us is not for us. It's for us to be a blessing to other people. Um, and I think too often times we look at stuff and say, you know, I got this and I got that, but it's not about you. It, it's about what can we do to help the next individual so that they can succeed. Um, and that's really the way that I try to look at things. So I want people to keep in mind that what you are blessed with is not for you. It's for you to be a blessing to others. And that it, it's pretty much a big community type of thing. It's when I'm blessed, I could bless someone else and someone else will bless me. 
It's just like when you pray, you're not really supposed to pray for yourself. You're supposed to pray for others because others are praying for you. That's great advice. So that that's the guidance that, that I want to give. Um, and you can find me on Facebook. Um, I have a Twitter page, which I don't really <laughs> use a whole lot. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of Twitter literate. Um, and I had someone running it um, at one point. But, you know, I guess I'll figure this Twitter thing out and be just as good as everybody else on it. Yeah, it's it's not that hard. I, I was kind of that, that, that way, too, but I figured it out. It's, it's a lot easier than you think. But, uh, I mean, Facebook, um, I'm. You can easily find me on there. You can look me up on IMDb. You can Google me, not to sound arrogant or anything at all. But, you know, uh, there are plenty of other sites that come up with, you know, other interviews and uh, other reviews of things that I've done. And I just can't think of every website by name. But (laughs) but the best way to reach me is by Facebook. Okay. Good. Thank you so much. Well, Eli, I know our listeners have gotten some great takeaways and nuggets and tips from you today because I know I certainly have. I definitely have. And everything that we've been chatting about today, they can also find on our website at successstalkersradio.com slash Eli Harris. And it will all be there on the show notes page. So we just appreciate you, Eli, for just being so generous with your time today and being transparent. So we say thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Iona. And I really hope that um, some of the things I said reach other people. And, you know, and I'm an open book. So anybody that wants to reach out to me and discuss anything with me, whether it's about projects, personal things or, you know, just some advice. I'm I'm here um, to help any way that I can. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that for helping our listeners. And, and, and again, thank you for being on the show. And also for our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. And until our next episode, remember to keep stalking success. Well, that'll do it for another episode of Success Stalkers Radio. If you'd like to hear more from these inspiring entrepreneurs and entertainers, be sure to subscribe to the Success Stalkers Radio podcast on iTunes. And if you found value in this episode, give us a review, hopefully five stars. You may also visit us at successstalkers.com. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you.